Hello and welcome to another episode of the Manchester is Red podcast from the Manchester Evening News. Just the two of us today, Dominic Booth here joined by Tyrone Marshall. We're down to the bare bones, Tyrone. Are you going to step up for us today? I will do my best, yeah. It's an international break and it appears that we're the ones that have been left here holding the fort. So uh, no call-ups for us by the looks of things, Dom. Uh, two weeks of uh, intensity training for us to get us up to speed, I think, for when football, proper football resumes uh, in two weeks. But obviously we're going to discuss United's FA Cup defeat to Leicester City. 3-1 defeat for United at the King Power Stadium and a really disappointing way to, to exit the Cup, especially given the semi-final draw that had United potentially coming up against Southampton if they got through a chance for, for Solskjaer to, to make a final and put to bed some of the criticisms that have come his way regarding winning a trophy or not wanting to win a trophy as some perceived that he said. Ty, it was like it was the, disaster, the most disastrous game that he really could have expected given the the way United went into it on a high, individual errors costing them, but but really they were deservedly beaten on the day. Yeah, they were. They were comfortably second best, really. It, it, this was always going to be a big week for them. And, you know, with two 1-0 wins, they had set the tone, really. If they could have completed it and, and come through it and reached the semi-final, you know, it would have been a decisive week. But in the end, the manner of the defeat as well, I think, said as much as the actual defeat did. It was just a, a really poor performance, basic errors. And like you say, at half time, having got back to one all, thoroughly undeserved it at half time. And I mean, whether or not they knew about the draw, it, it certainly presented a real opportunity. But you know, it, it's probably fitting for this team's sort of inability to take that final hurdle that just when it looked like the semi final curse would probably end against Southampton. Uh, they go and turn it into a quarter-final curse. And, you know, Solskjaer's record in, in cup competitions is really good, but they keep losing at key moments. And it does kind of feel like that trait of this team sort of being, I don't want to say bottlers, because I'm not sure that's the right word, but just being unable to get over the line is, is kind of following them around. They've had four semi-final defeats in, in 14 months, all against very good teams. The Champions League group stage collapsed. They got vertigo the moment they went top of the Premier League. Now they've lost an FA Cup quarter-final. And, you know, aside from drawing Manchester City, this was the toughest quarterfinal they could have had. Leicester are hot on their heels in the league. They're a very good side. But, you know, United have got a decent record there recently. Leicester have got injuries. They really should have been going there confident of getting a win, especially being 29 unbeaten uh, away in, in domestically. But like we say, you know, the manner of the performance was particularly worrying. Soska was right to point out some issues after the game. You know, he didn't want to make excuses, but it's inevitably going to sound like excuses. You know, United have played twice a week, every week this season. Players are tired. They have had injuries. But it was more alarming that a lot of these issues were issues that have been obvious for, for a little while. You know, the, the midfield balance, I've been banging this drum for a while now. For me, the midfield balance is still just all wrong. And it, it felt quite eye-opening yesterday, the, the extent to which United's midfield was dominated by by Leicester's and I think recruitment in general you look at some of the players Leicester have signed and you know some of those players are walking to United's team now and United could easily have signed them if they'd have just shown the same sort of creativity and recruitment instead they've still got you know they've got a squad that has made progress this year but they really need to go to the next level now and I still feel that there's there's you know, there's, there's probably issues there in, in all three areas down the spine of the team in defence, midfield and attack that, that probably need fixing. And it, it was just a you know, a rotten way to end a big week and going into an international break as well to end it like that and, and go out of a competition that, that was there. Certainly to reach a final is, is going to be hugely disappointing. And, you know, it, it feels like they, they need a reaction now over the next two weeks. But this break is, is going to be no rest for some of the players in, involved, given that, you know, some international teams are playing three games. Yeah, that fatigue and those injuries undoubtedly did play the part. I know it, 
it could sound like excuses. I know Harry Maguire said that it was maybe one game too far. I think he posted on social media after the game. United players maybe feeling the the effects after a you know an arduous but obviously successful trip to Milan in midweek. But Solskjaer then made the changes, didn't he? he brought uh, Donny Van Der Beek into the starting lineup. Matic, Tellez, Pogba started as as maybe we expected him to, but he was unable to get through ninety minutes. It felt like. Solskjaer was maybe taking a risk too many with his team selection. Maybe it, was, it wasn't it was the time to rotate as much as he did. I think Gary Neville said that uh, today on Monday, that, that that surprised him how much he did rotate. And the result was a bit of a disjointed United, a different shape in a, with a diamond midfield. I know BBC seemed to be adamant that it was 4-2-3-1. It was obviously a diamond with split strikers as far as I could see it. And that's what really hampered United. They didn't have any width, really. Van der Beek struggled to get into the game. I know individual errors, we can go back to that, but it was more than individual errors, really, wasn't it, Ty? Yeah, it, it was. It just never really flowed for United. Um, I think everyone was surprised at the extent of the changes. I mean, United didn't get back from Milan until 3am on, on Friday, so it was a tight turnaround. It, it's been a very intense season, but you're at a quarterfinal in FA Cup. There's then two weeks off. Some players aren't going away with their countries. So, you know, you, you could have taken a risk and it, it did feel like a risk too far. And I think it was just, you know, the, bringing Van der Beek back especially was was a huge risk. And it's clear that when he plays, it just changes the way United, United play. It, it's, it's hard to find a backup for Fernandes because what Fernandes does is so unique in European football, really, in terms of a sort of high risk, high reward approach. He, he tries passes that are very adventurous and don't always come off. But as soon as he gets the ball... He looks forward and, and the front three know that they need to be making runs as soon as Fernandes gets the ball because he's probably going to look to play one of them in. There was a few times yesterday where there was a break on for Van der Beek and he takes an extra touch and brings it back and builds play more slowly. And it feels like they're almost just, they're too much of a contrast to those players that when Van der Beek does come in, the rest of the team has to adapt around him. And when they're playing with Fernandes for 90, 95% of the time, it's, it's too much of a challenge to do. And it just doesn't, you know, it, it feels like an orchestra that are just playing a completely different tune when Van der Beek is in that role than Fernandes. And in this United team, it's the most important role in the team because it's where all the creativity comes from. So it was, you know, it was a major risk. And I think it was clear that that, that sapped a lot of United's attacking play. You know, Van der Beek did well for the goal. It was a clever step over, but far too often he just, he slowed play down and that doesn't really suit United's style. And, you know, we know that's how he plays. We saw that's how he played at Ajax. And you have to wonder with recruitment what, what his role in this United side is going forward because I don't see him as an ideal foil for for Fernandez. And th- there were individual errors. I mean, the first goal was a, a complete catastrophe with Fred's poor pass. I mean, there was there was some blame from Maguire in, in putting him in trouble. I'm not sure I really buy that. You know, Soskar has said he wants this team to play out from the back. And if you're going to play out from the back, it involves your midfielders getting the ball under pressure sometimes. Maguire's passing to Fred is... You know, if we're looking at Manchester City or, or Bayern Munich or Liverpool trying to play out from the back, their midfielders would take that ball under pressure. And that's just part of the role that if you're playing out from the back, that's what you have to do. So, you know, I don't think Maguire has particularly played Fred into trouble there. I think Fred just needs to be needs to be better. You know, it is a mistake that can happen. And, and Solskjaer said afterwards, when you play out from the back, people make mistakes. That's fine. That's acceptable. It's going to happen. The, the risk is that you play through the press and suddenly you've got a, a four on four break. So, you know, you can understand that, but... I'm not sure the personnel playing those roles suits United playing out from the back at the moment. And it kind of summed Fred's first half up, especially in that, you know, his passing was was pretty, pretty wayward and pretty woeful in the first half. And you could see him keep apologising for, for mistakes and bearing of the lot. And, it, you know, it was it was soft goals for United to concede. But generally, the performance, you know, the performance sort of deserved those soft goals. It, it was clear that Leicester were the better team throughout. Yeah, it felt like every time United nearly got a grip on the game, 
an error would happen to to let it slip away again. And you know, the Fred one is an absolute obvious obvious one. There's no no debating that error. But I, I did like the way that Solskjaer defended Fred afterwards. You know, you, you can't be throwing players under the bus for for something like that. And I know the, the United fan base is very vocal and very critic very critical of Fred and, and others last night on social media or something out on social media. But I think what my issue is, and I don't know whether you agree with this, Ty, I think I think United have got hard workers in there, but that maybe they still do lack that extra bit of technical quality. I think Matic probably was that player five years ago. I, I don't I don't maybe think that he is now. McTominay has a lot of strengths, but he didn't he didn't do anything when he came on. In fact he probably con- he contributed to the goal going in. United fans think that they can improve on on those three in terms of quality, but Solskjaer has to pick them because they they all, all sort of work hard and do a job, but that's not quite enough, maybe. Uh, no, it, it's not really. He's had little option with with Pogba and Van der Beek being out injured. Although we've seen he, he doesn't really trust Van der Beek in those roles anyway. But I, I think it's a major issue going forward for United that that midfield combination, um, whatever the shape was yesterday. It was interesting that you mentioned Diamond before. There, there was a couple of United fans on Twitter at halftime arguing about it being a four three three. So we've got someone suggesting a Diamond, someone suggesting a four two three one in the BBC. People suggesting four three three. It it kind of shows in a way that. The structure was a little bit all over the place at, at times, and you could, you know, there were elements of the game where you could kind of see all of those coming at, coming into the fore, and it was clear that you know Pogba was drifting in field, and it wasn't obvious at times what the shape was, and, and the fact that people have got different ideas of what the shape was probably shows that. But I think that midfield, you know, I think four two three one is obviously Solskjaer's preferred formation, but that midfield going forward for me is an area of concern. I just, you know, United should finish second this year. And if they finish second, the next target is to, is to reel in Man City. And then they're looking at, you know, what they want is to win the Champions League again eventually. And you're looking at Bayern Munich setting the standard in Europe. And I just don't think that midfield is, is giving United enough when you've got Fred and Matic or Fred and McTominay here. I think it's too, it's too defensive. It's a setup you'd expect of a Burnley or, you know, another team fighting it down the bottom, a Newcastle, something like that. There needs to be more. There needs to be more creation in there. I thought Leicester's balance yesterday was perfect. It's slightly different in that they're playing a back three. United setup almost feels like Solskjaer still doesn't fully doesn't doesn't fully trust his centre backs to defend one v one and likes that double insurance. But going forward, I think it has to change. I think that midfield is is too cautious. It needs someone more adventurous in there. Um, like I say, Leicester's balance with Ndidi and Tielemans seemed perfect, and that you've got. A very natural defensive midfielder and indeed they can cover a lot of the ground and then often Tielemans was right next to him and, and Tielemans can can play passes that break lines and you look at how many occasions Leicester had Perez and Acho and Vardy where they had passes into their feet and were running straight at United's defence and United just couldn't get the same into their forwards and I think a lot of that is the passes that are coming from deep and that that's not Fred's strength it's not Tomine's strength particularly it might have been Matic's strength but he's been poor this season and it does feel like they're, they're missing a more creative passer in a deep role who can get better service into that front four. And I think that's a major issue going forward. And you know, we can talk of progress this year. And I think Solskjaer is right to point out that being 12 points off is clear progress. Finishing second will be clear progress. But going forward, I think that midfield has to change. I think it's just too, it's too negative for me. And I think they need someone who is a better passer and a more creative passer in one of those deeper roles. And I wrote the piece this morning that someone like Yori Tielemans is, is absolutely ideal, I think. And, you know, there was talk United being in for him in 2019 when we were uncertain of Pogba's future. And he went to Leicester for 35, 40 million pound at, at 22, I think he was then. I mean, he's, he's a perfect deep-lying playmaker alongside a natural defensive midfielder in terms of the passes he can make. And I think United's midfield needs someone 
like that that can just help with the creativity, get a better supply line into the front four. And that that looks to be, for me, the next step that United need to take in, in terms of their midfield balance. Sosa's had a hand behind his back recently with Pogba's injury, but we don't expect Pogba to be here beyond the summer of 2022, really, at the latest. So it is an area of concern, and I think it's one that, that needs looking at in terms of getting that midfield balance right. Yeah, maybe even sooner for Pogba's departure remains to be mm. seen. Obviously, we, we, those contract talks don't seem to be going anywhere. And Van der Beek, many suggested that he was a long-term replacement for Pogba. I've written today and I, I maintain, I think maybe Van der Beek deserves a shot in, in a deeper midfield role for, mm. for a run of games. Like you say, Ty, the, the other options at the moment are not particularly working as a combo. I think we saw in one European game, Fred and Van der Beek played there together behind Fernandez and actually look quite promising. I don't know if that, that's an option for Solskjaer going forward. Certainly, if if top four gets wrapped up sooner rather than later, then maybe the Premier League games, I think is eight remaining, that Solskjaer can maybe use as a bit more of an experiment, providing United do finish second. And like you say, Ty, the progress will be if they finish second. And obviously, there's still a chance with, a, you know, with the Europa League as well. All the pressure is on that Europa League run, really, from now until the end of the season. Yeah, it is. You know, that's, that's the one area where they can still win a trophy and, and make sure that trophy drag doesn't come to four years. And it, it does feel a little bit like there's a bit of pressure on that Europa League run now. I mean, they really should beat Granada over two legs. United are, are probably the best team left in the competition. They probably should win it. And, you know, I touched on it before, their, their record of going far in competitions, but not getting over the line. And the more that happens, the more it, it plays on your mind. It's, it's a fairly inexperienced team in terms of winning trophies. And if... You know, if they were to reach another semi-final and lose in another semi-final, then I think that would be, you know, that would be a significant blow to carry into next season. So it does feel like that, you know, the, the Europa League is there to be won. And if they can win it, I think it's, you know, as much as ending the trophy drought is is a big thing. I think the psychological benefits outweigh that, really. And if this team can can get that winning feeling of winning a trophy, I think it would make a big difference. And I mean, in terms of Van der Beek, I agree with you, really, that it's probably worth giving him a run in a deeper role. I think it's... You know, I, I wanted to see him given more time as as a number 10 and to be the ideal Fernandez fill-in because I still feel like United need an obvious Fernandez replacement, but it's clear it's just not working and they're just, they are too, like I said before, they're too different a player, I think, to to be able to to switch and change between them. What, what one does, it, you know, the roles require certain things of the front three and I think it's asking too much of the front three to change from game to game. So I think maybe Van der Beek's future, if he's going to have one at United, is in a deeper role playing alongside a Fred or a McTominay. And like I said, I think it, it's worth probably trying to give him a run of games there because he's certainly got the passing ability to to get a better service into that front four. Yeah, absolutely. I suppose positives from, from the Leicester game, you probably talk about Mason Greenwood back in the goals. I feel like he's been really good recently and has deserved a goal or two. And that was a classic Greenwood finish. Aaron Wambasaka, I think, gets a lot of stick for not providing enough uh, in an attacking sense, but I think he actually did that for a lot of the game. And he's probably glad for a rest in the next two weeks and that he's actually not going on England duty because he's been absolutely running to the ground as United's only right back. And, and talking about transfers, that's probably another position United have to look at a, an alternative, if not a backup, uh, you know, a genuine first-team alternative to Wan-Bissaka. And then have a look at the right wing and have a look at Greenwood's role. That two, they're two sort of positives with, with potential... Uh, Problems just lingering in the background as well, Ty. They are, yeah. I, I said before the game in a blog entry, I think, that that was Wambasaka's 20th successive start 
for United, and you know, Solskjaer has made. Did you nick that from my piece that I wrote before the game time? Oh, did you? I'm I sure didn't I put, see that. I'm sure I put that in a piece before the game. Oh, I, I should have read that because I did my own research on it, and that's that's two minutes I've wasted there. So uh, oh, that seems yeah, me that. for not, read, not reading your insights, Dom. I like a communication. Uh, I should have read that one. Yeah, very much. Yeah, so I mean, it shows how how little faith Solskjaer has in Williams or Twanzebe to to replace him. Really, when you think during those twenty games, he has pretty much rotated everyone else in and out of the side at some point, even Fernandez. You know, so it, it shows that there is just no one there to to fill in. And given the remaining Premier League games with, with second on the line, remaining Europa League games, it's hard to see anyone but Wambasaka starting at right back. So yeah, it, it is an obvious issue. It's probably for the best he's not in the England squad. Personally, I think he's a fair way short of that England squad, especially if Solskjaer continues to want to pick wing backs uh, and play a back three. I don't think he's going to look at Wambasaka at the moment. And it felt telling that he name checked. Um, Matty Cash and Luke Ayling last week, as well as Max Aronson in the 21s. And I don't think he name-checked Wan-Bissaka, which suggests that he, he's a fair way short at the moment. Um, but like you say, no, South, attacking... Southgate, didn't, Southgate didn't name him, sorry. Is that what... No, I, didn't hear, I don't I think hear so. That. Yeah, well, I think it's a blow. Yeah, I think he was talking about right-backs and he name-checked. Um, I didn't hear the full quote, but I think he named, we definitely name-checked Luke Ayling and Matty Cash, whether that was sort of wild card options or look how much depth we've got um but it feels like you know if they're going to play this back three in a wing back system then as much as Wambasaka's has improved going forward this season i think he's still somewhere short of being a wing back on the international stage and you know for united at the moment i think it's a benefit he, he's not going away with england because like we say he needs two weeks to put his feet up and watch a bit of netflix really and yeah Greenwood just started so you know it's true. Uh, yeah, lots, yeah, lots yeah. to get into Maybe you can catch up on the first five series like our, our producer Ash needs to be doing. Oh, that's a um, strong message. I like that. <laughs> yeah, and Greenwood, you know, I mean, it is incredible that he's got one, had one goal in 26 games before that yesterday, especially when his performance levels recently have improved an awful lot. And Solskjaer was asked about him in the Sunday's section of his press conference for this game and, you know, basically said people can look too much into stats and, and he had no concerns about it. He just wanted his instincts to take over in the area again. It was only last season we were talking about him being the most natural goal scorer and natural finisher at United. So a run of one in 26 is probably an anomaly. At the start of that run, he did look out of form. Recently, I think he's looked a lot better. I think his all-round contribution to the team has improved. And it was only a matter of time before the goals flowed again. And, and if that can kick him into gear for the final, what, two months of the season after the international break, then it could be vital for United considering they've been short of goals recently. Yeah, I know our colleague Samuel Lucas will not like this at all, but I think the XG merchants last season did predict a potential uh, regression to the mean in terms of Greenwood's mm. finishing. He was scoring some goals that had a very small chance of actually going in, which shows how good a finisher he is, but maybe also suggests that he wouldn't continue uh, to be so prolific in front of goal. Obviously, he's been playing a lot of his football on the right wing as well. Also, I think significant against Leicester tie was the absence of that left wing combination of, of Rashford and Shaw, which is, mm. you know, it's aside from Fernandez, who also didn't start, those two together have been the most potent combination, really, arguably in the Premier League in terms of a, you know, a fullback and a and a winger and how much end product they can they can produce in attacking terms. Yeah, they, they've got a really good understanding. And Shaw, I mean, Shaw's attacking players has been excellent this season. It, it's improved so much. And it felt like, um, you know, it, I felt he had to start in Milan as he did because United needed a goal. And beyond Fernandez, he's probably their most likely source of creating a chance at the moment. Well, he is their most likely source of creating a chance beyond Fernandez. So he had to start in Milan, really. I thought Tellez, of the players that went off, I thought Tellez had probably been the best. I thought he actually did, did quite well. And I felt that he suited playing behind Pogba, who drifted in field a lot. 
when Tellers has started recently, it's tended to still be behind Rashford. And he's not had that same understanding that, that Shaw has. And I think Rashford's, although he drifts inside a lot, I think he generally likes to keep his position quite wide at times and, and pick the ball up and, and then cut in field when Shaw o- o- overlaps him. And felt like Tellers didn't really have that understanding, but Pogba spent so much of the time more central in the, in the diamond or whatever system we've decided it was that it kind of left the left flank entirely free for Tellers. And, you know, he, he attacked, there was a couple of times in the first half where he made really good runs from deep there where he didn't have to give any thought to who he was overlapping and who had the ball and what, how he had to time his run in relation to Rashford. And that seemed to make things easier for him in knowing when to get forward. And I did feel like that was probably the most we've seen from him in attacking sense since he played wing back on his debut against PSG. And perhaps a little unfortunate to be taken off, but I think Shaw's been so good creatively recently and, and United needed a goal that it probably made sense that you had to bring him on. But, you know, of all those players that did go off, I think Tellez is probably the one who can look at it and think, he did himself some credit yesterday. And while he certainly wasn't up to sure standards, I think it was probably a step forward for him at least. Absolutely. Yeah. Teller's not a concern in my book. I think he's, he's, He's done okay, and obviously we've seen what Shaw has done with with his arrival. I guess one concern might be Rashford in the fact that he appears to be going away on England duty despite a number of injury problems of late. We understand that he has been carrying a shoulder injury for much of the season. Uh, I think his ankle has been the, the latest problem that kept him out of the Leicester game. United fans will be hating that Rashford's linking up with England this week, won't he? Just He's another one who just needs a break. Yeah, I was astonished by that, to be honest. And I can't imagine, you know, I don't want to go down the route of comparing Solskjaer to Fergie, but can you imagine Sir Alex Ferguson waving one of his key forwards? Getting a, uh, a very stern phone call, wouldn't he? Later yeah, yeah. I don't think there's any chance Fergie would be sanctioned a player going away with England when he's not played for United in the previous game and, and wasn't considered fit enough. And I mean, Solskjaer said Rashford couldn't walk on Saturday on his foot. So, you know, I mean, those sort of injuries can recover fairly quickly. But like we say, he's played so much football that United should just be saying, even if Rashford wants to play for England, should just be saying, it's not happening this time. He's not fit enough to come. I was, you know, I was very surprised that Solskjaer seemed to be sort of almost waving him off and saying, yeah, he can go. Doctor, check him out. Maybe he'll be fit for England. I think if he's if he's fit for England, having not been fit for United and then comes back and is, is struggling again for United after maybe playing two or three games during the international break, it will look like a, a major error on Solskjaer's part. And... Yeah, I, I was very surprised at that approach, to be honest. It looked an ideal time just to say to, to Rashford, think of the bigger picture here, take two weeks off. And, you know, in terms of England ambitions, his place with England is the safest houses, I would say. So you take two weeks off now and, and maybe you get the benefit in the Euros come the summer. I don't think there's... For someone who's played for until his recent injury, played every game for United this season. Um, and I think it had been in every matchday squad since June when football restarted. This looked an obvious time to, to give him two weeks off as well. So I think it's it's a bit of a risk that he is going away with England while obviously carrying an injury. Absolutely. And United coming back again to two games in a week has become has become custom this season. Brighton in the league, then the two Granada ties. I think Sam Wajinga, a Spurs away game in the Premier League, which won't be easy. So there's going to be no relenting for some of these some of these players. United have done well, actually, tied to maybe get as few injuries as, as they've had. Mm. They have bitten a little bit in recent weeks, but that's going to be another challenge for them before the end of the season to keep everybody fit, to keep everyone fit to play a part in the Euros. Half their squad is going to be playing at the Euros. Mm. Yeah, they are. And, you know, I think, like I say, every, this has been a season where every team at some point has had an injury crisis um, lasting 
you know, a certain length of time. Crystal Palace have had a massive one. Liverpool have probably had, obviously had their issues. I don't think there's going to be a team who will go through the season without having an injury crisis at some point. And, you know, what, what United have done is they kept players fit for the first half, a bit longer than the first half of the season. And they made hay while the sun shined, while players were fit and got themselves in a very strong position. They've struggled recently with with numbers. They've obviously been short of attacking players. They've been missing Pogba, but got themselves in a position where they had confidence and they've, you know, they've always managed, managed to fall over the line in, in some games. So, you know, you, you've got to credit them in that regard, but the injuries have left them badly short recently. There's obviously been issues with Cavani not feeling 100% and not wanting to play when he's not 100%. And the loss of Martial and Rashford have left them very short an attack so it, it is going to be a stretch for them I guess the FA Cup is now one game where they won't have to worry about but with the Europa League it's still going to be playing twice a week probably until the end of the season I certainly hope until the end of the season so it is still going to be a balance to, to try and keep players fit and get players back to, to real match sharpness for the running yeah, exactly. Uh, I guess no predictions, Ty, for the end of this podcast, which you might be relieved about. But I am going to ask you, it seems like a good point, a hiatus in the season, to ask you what your prediction for what United may achieve now. Obviously, no FA Cup for them. Second in the league and a Europa League, is that too hopeful a prediction or is that realistic? I would say it's it's a realistic ambition, I think. I certainly think second in the league should be achievable. I think they've still got Leicester to play at, at Old Trafford. So, you know, if they can win that, I think that would move the gap to, to four points. So, you know, I, I think they've got to be aiming for, for second. I mean, got themselves into this position and, and just keep picking up as many points as they can. As we said, they're 12 points better off than they were at this stage last season. And a point, it's a point to tell you you're going to measure improvement by. So, you know, look to increase that. They finished last season very strongly. So maintain that 12 points to 15 points improvement on last season. And as for the Europa League, you know, it, United should be in the semi-finals. They, they should really have two for a pretty limited Granada side over two legs. After that, slightly draw, I suppose. Um, oh, the draw's been done, hasn't it? They've got Roma, Roma or Ajax in the Roma semi-final. Ajax, yeah. yeah, which, you know, two 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 tough-ish games, I guess, there, depending on, on who comes through. Roma are pretty decent under Paolo Fonseca, but, you know, they're, they're not challenging at the top of Serie A and Milan. Uh, United had too much for AC Milan. Italian teams have underperformed horribly in Europe this season. I think Roma are the last team standing um, in Europe for, for Italy. So they should probably have too much for them. And this is not an a, this is not an Ajax side who are as good as they were when they reached the Champions League semi-finals. They've lost a few key players since then. So, you know, over two legs, United should probably be aiming to beat both of those sides, but they'll certainly be tougher than Granada. But I, I think that the Europa League is a realistic target for United. And if they can finish second and win the Europa League, then I think it, it goes down as a good season. Well, that's what we like to hear. A positive and upbeat end uh, after a fairly downbeat podcast reflecting on that defeat. But that's, uh, I think that's fair enough, Ty. I, I agree with you. And, uh, we'll have to see whether United can do the business in the Europa League with the pressure on now between the end of the season. Uh, but thank you very much, Tyrone. Been enjoyable, just me and you this time. Indeed. Yeah, yeah. Nice, uh, nice relaxed feel to it, Dom. I think we've held the fort well there. Yeah, we've just about held it together. Uh, and we'll see if we can do exactly the same with another podcast before the Premier League gets back underway with that game against Brighton uh, on Easter weekend. But for now, thank you very much for listening to the Manchester is Red podcast. And please leave us a like and a subscribe. And we'll be back again very, very soon.